It's the Dive Podcast. It's the Dive Podcast. It's the Dive Podcast. to the first episode of The Dive. I'm your host, Will Messenger, aka Will under, at Will underscore Messenger, if you want to follow me on Twitter, which you should. Uh, and joined with me, as always, is my co-host. It's your boy, uh, Shady Mellow Joker, aka The Mellow Man, aka Young Easy, because mm-hmm. I live my life as simplistic as possible. I am off the grid, no social media, so if you want to find out who I am, you can meet me in real life. Actually, my real name's Romel Tamez, and it's your boy. Anyways, right back at you, Will. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, it's kind of the way to live, you know? Like, I've, I have been trying to cut down on my social media usage lately because uh, I feel like it can have its benefits. It can be good. I mean, sometimes. But most people, it's just like a fucking drug, you know? Most people don't know how to do it. They, they spend eight hours a day on it, which is what I would probably do if I didn't have any sense of, like, inhibition or, like, reflection or, like, you know, hey, maybe maybe this isn't good for me. Maybe I need to, uh, maybe I need to cut it down a little bit. Maybe I need to limit my Twitter usage to 20 to 30 minutes a day and practice self-care and self-love. Oh, God. That sounds awful, Will. But... You are a genius, and that is why you are the host of this podcast, and I am your co-host. That's right. Anyways, I agree with that. For new listeners, I actually, that sentiment. I didn't know that was how we were doing it. <laughs> um, since everybody's a new listener, for new listeners, uh, just tuning in, the dive is a podcast created by Will Messenger and me, his roommate, Romel Tamez. Uh, we decided to make this podcast because we were bored and we were had a ton of zero inhibition and a bunch of things that were happening in our life. And so we just decided to turn on this computer and start making a podcast. The Dive is about uh, the movies we've seen and what we think about them and uh, how they say movie lives. rundown podcast. Yeah. There's a million others, but the idea actually, like the, the whole idea for The Dive, like the name The Dive comes from when uh, I was out in Best Buy with my friend Jacob uh, semi-recently and we were going through the bargain bin like just like six dollar blu-rays and we were sort of like okay well you know there's some good stuff here but let's like limit what we get because we're not going to watch all of these movies obviously so let's just each get like three blu-rays and it sort of evolved into this like convolute system of like vetoing each other's choices and like you get three vetoes and like I don't even remember what all the rules were but I was like how funny would it be if we recorded a podcast in here centered around like us going through the bargain bin and that's not what this is obviously (laughs) but I still like the idea of us maybe doing that someday and setting up like a table and a booth and a microphone in Best Buy one day maybe we do Best Buy Walmart Target uh, and, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we could still do that someday. But that was sort of the inception for, like, the idea of it being some kind of movie podcast. And so, that's why I'm here. Sorry. Keep Anyways, uh, we have a few movies we've watched recently. Me and Will, we just recently became roommates, so that's why this podcast is happening. Uh, earlier today, we've been working on an album that we're trying to create. Uh, but we'll see if that ever comes out. Anyways, Will. Maybe. We don't know. Hold on. Sorry. I'm just getting my... Hold on. Give me one second. They can hear you perfectly, they Will. Can perfectly. You can be oh, in yeah. the kitchen and hold you can... On. I'm just getting my pita and hummus. I'm, um... It's my sablon. Sablon? However you pronounce it. Yeah, and his fifth beer. So. I don't really... Yeah, well, it's my fourth <laughs> beer, first of all. And I don't... It's sablon hummus, which I didn't really want to get. I was a little reluctant to get it because it's made in Israel, and I think that people should just boycott all Israeli products. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, welcome to the first episode of our podcast. <laughs> Hot take. Uh, if any of you were wondering, Will is in fact very <laughs> anti-Semitic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's not. 
<laughs> fucking will. The first episode, and you got to bring up the anti-Israel vibes. Really? <laughs> hey, I'm just joshing around. You know, I support my brothers and sisters in the IDF, whatever they do. So, um, cheers to that. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, guys. Uh, so, this podcast is starting now <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> But, <laughs> anyways. Sal! Why are you calling Sal over here? Do you want to get in on this? We're recording a podcast. I'm good. This is Sal. He's our other uh, roommate. He's uh, just walking in the room. I'm just chilling. Relaxing, sitting all cool. In case anybody's wondering about our studio setup, it is an extra room in our house. We have a bed in here for some reason. Yeah. Oh, mostly because I couldn't get rid of it. We have an exercise bike. A scale to remind us of our sad choices. Mm -hmm. A keyboard, uh, several amps, and two guitars, and a flute. It's because a creation station. Yeah, it's a creation station. Yeah. Which is also why this podcast exists. Anyways, well, why don't you introduce us to our first movie? Yeah, so we saw... I went, I went and went back in my letterbox log. If you want to take a look at that yourself, you can follow me at will underscore messenger. That's spelled M-O-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. But um, one of the movies we watched, actually the first movie we watched when we moved in together um, was Platoon, um, which I had never seen. It's one of those movies that like, and I do want to do a segment on this at some point, you know, because there are certain movies that like have classic status and they're quote unquote classic movies. And most of the time when I... You know, you're sort of reluctant to watch movies like that because nobody wants to be told to do anything. Nobody wants to be told, like, oh, there's no, like, bigger obstacle to me listening to an album than having my good friend and roommate tell me, like, hey, you should listen to this album, X album. I'm like, okay, then I'm never going to listen to it. And that's how it is with classic movies. But then, most of the times, when you watch a classic movie, it holds up. You know, it still slaps. Yeah. But um, sometimes that's not the case. I feel like with this movie, it was sort of like a little bit in between. Like there were things that um, I respect about it. And there are things that are like, oh, wow, this really is like a product of its era. And it kind of shows like the problem with Vietnam movies and like specifically Vietnam War movies, from, obviously, from that era. Um, you know, I don't know if that's something you... Well, for our listeners who've never seen Platoon, uh, Platoon is a movie starring a bunch of famous people when they were still in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few of them include our boy, Tiger's Blood, Charlie Sheen. Uh, William Dafoe, who is excellent in this movie. Uh, your boy, uh, John uh, McGinnis. Uh, you may know him as uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. And, oh, yeah. uh, and Johnny Depp even makes an appearance in this. Uh, he's so fresh-faced. I'll give you a brief one. Almost unrecognized. Forrest Whitaker is also in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like I said, this movie is filled to the brink with famous people. Anyways. The so, stars are out tonight, baby. <laughs> much like they were in, in the 1960s in Vietnam. Uh, That's right. So, to run it down, Charlie Sheen is a, is a college-educated rich kid who decides to do his part and signs up to go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. uh, and as he soon finds out, uh, Vietnam has nothing to do with his class and it has nothing to do with the enemy or anything that's happening around him. Mm -hmm. uh, much like modern conflicts, uh, Vietnam is kind of a uh, pointless creation uh, meant to feed our military industrial complex. So Charlie Sheen goes on in his life, in his time in Vietnam, and he uh, sees a lot of things. He sees the different cliques that exist amongst uh, his fellow soldiers. He realizes that his leadership is just as incompetent as anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, he sees that his fellow soldiers don't give two shits about what's going on. Yeah. and. Uh, his vapid idealism uh, slowly disappears, or very rap rather, rather rapidly, rather yeah. rapidly disappears yeah. as he uh, spends time out in the jungles being hunted by a formidable enemy that has been fighting against foreign invaders for the last 30 years, maybe 50. Uh, anyways, well, what are your thoughts on Platoon? 
I mean, it, you know, you sort of talk about how um, it's it's sort of this movie of like disillusionment, and I feel like that is a really big theme in it. I think it's sort of like it. I mean, I, I can't think of, like, too many other specific examples. I guess I'd have to watch other Oliver Stone movies, other Vietnamese war movies, but I feel like they're, you know, from, like, what I have seen, there is sort of this theme of, like, disillusionment with your country, with its foreign policy, with its military, with its, its you know, sort of um, kind of self appointed status as like the arbiter of like democracy and freedom in the rest of the world um and that's like a big theme in this movie what's interesting about it and like what's interesting about i guess all of the movies from that era is how like oliver stone is sort of trying to like grapple with um what he, what he like was told at the time and like a message that he clearly bought into to some extent because it does sort of like seep into the movie and then also but like this this sense of like disillusionment and that like this is all bullshit and it's it sort of like it manifests itself mostly through the point of view of charlie sheen's character who as you pointed out is this sort of upper middle class guy who could have deferred he didn't even have to like be there in the first place. I don't even think he was either given a draft letter at all. I think no, he literally think he was, enlisted, yeah. which is what's the, a lot of people in the movie like. They're like, what the fuck Why, are you yeah, doing? Why are you, uh, what are you idealistic about? Which, um, and the, he comes in and he says he's doing his part. Like, why should only the poor kids go out and die? And do, yeah. But like, the real question is, why the hell are we in Vietnam at all? Mm-hmm. Will, you uh, know a little bit about history. Why don't you tell us why the U.S. was in Vietnam? I don't know. I hear this hot topic, far. hot button issue that I'm going to hand off to you into your lap. So you um, can say so what it has a think. lot to do with Israel. <laughs> who I think that we should, I'm um, No, I mean, I'm not, whatever. I'm not a historian. This isn't a history podcast, but I think that... Like, now that we have sort of the benefit of hindsight, we know that the Vietnam War was, um, it, 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 you know, it, the, the people in charge, the people at the top, um, were pretty invested in selling it and propagating it, um, pretty much at the expense of, um, logic, of, like, you know, like, how much are we actually helping the Vietnamese people? How much is this going to make a difference? Like, you know, what what is the sort of civilian, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what are the... Um, what are the consequences yeah, of you know. just putting boots on the ground in a, in a place that's not used to you? I mean... Uh, to give you a simple rundown of the Vietnam War, uh, back in the 50s, uh, as the area was once known, Indochina was uh, controlled by the French. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, several uh, Vietnamese fighters, uh, some, st- some of them including uh, the famous uh, Uncle Ho Chi Minh, uh, fought against the French in a successful insurgency, forcing the French out of Daddy. the... <laughs> Daddy Ho Chi Minh uh, forced the French out of the country, uh, leaving a power vacuum that created uh, two countries, the North and South Vietnam. Uh, the North, as we famously know, became, was a communist state, and the South became a, uh, well, a pseudo-democracy uh, led by several dictators at the time. And uh, as the North ramped up its invasion efforts into the South, um, the U.S. Uh, started supporting the South Vietnam, and eventually that led to boots being sent onto the ground, and we saw that uh, that was a grave mistake. Uh, there were mass amounts of civilian casualties. Uh, the casualties the U.S. themselves were inflicted, and let's not forget the damages done to the actual guerrillas and insurgents who had been fighting for like the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. So, I mean, like, from the perspective of, like, how do you read this movie as a telling of history? Which is sort of what I'm, like, interested in, because, like I said, I'm not that... I got, like, a few episodes into the um, 
what's the guy's name who's the uh, PBS the guy who makes all the documentaries for PBS um uh, Ken Burns? Yeah, Ken Burns. I got like a few episodes into the Ken Burns documentary, so I like picked up on some of what you're talking about. What I'm really interested in is like, what is the ideology of this movie and how does it um, convey it through what it depicts, how it depicts it, and you know, like I said, it, it credit where credit is due to Oliver Stone because he does depict like some of the atrocities that were, um, you know, committed by uh, the U.S. military. But he sort of does it in a way of, like, you know, creating this, like, distinction between Charlie Sheen's character, who's sort of this, like, idealistic, like, Boy Scout, and then um, this other character. I don't remember his name. Um, I don't remember the name of the actor, but he's sort of like... Sergeant Barnes, the the man who kills Willem Dafoe's character. Yes, Sergeant Barnes. He's like kind of the um, representation of like... um, He's the get stuff done, ask questions later kind of guy. He's like, shoot first, ask questions later, we're here to fight a war, and I can't fight a war with my hands tied behind my back, which was a common sentiment at the time, if if you could... It was the orthodoxy that you see not just in... Like, you know, in the Ken Burns documentary, you see, I mean, U.S. soldiers just burning down villages, and they have this very, like, sort of nonplussed attitude about it, because they don't really know why they're there. They don't know what they're doing. They're there to fight an enemy. They don't really hey, know. Talk to me on my phone, so I can uh, do fact checks over here. It's not like a super, um... <laughs> <laughs> good try, good try. Well, defined enemy, but like they're just kind of these young guys who are there, um, you know, to, to to fuck shit up basically. But you know, that's sort of the ideology that you see from interviews of the time, from footage, from like history. But you also see it in like other cultural, um, like you know, touchstones, like the Dirty Harry movies. Yeah, you know, that's sort of the stereotype of this kind of reactionary wave of, like, media in the 70s and 80s, like, this idea that, like, you have, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's the U.S. military, whether it's the president, you have these figures who um, have to get something done, you know, and it's always for the greater good, whether it's finding a serial killer with a, you know, school bus full of kids, whether it's, um, you know, defeating this existential threat that at the time we decided was communism, whether it's, you know, Nixon, um, like, you know, like, like doing, doing whatever surveillance on his opponents. Yeah. Like the idea is like, hey, you know, you may not like how I'm getting things done, but I'm getting things done and it ultimately serves a greater purpose. So yeah. like... That was sort of the uh, prevailing idea of the time, and like I said... And it's, uh, strangely enough, and maybe not accidentally, it's still a prevailing idea even now. Uh, We see authoritarian authoritarian figures are arising all around the globe, and they're being handed almost uh, unlimited power to supposedly get things done. It's, um... Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's sort of, um... Not mellowed out a little bit, but, like, the, the best... Like, the clearest example of that sort of media that you get um, is, like, the 24 series. Yeah. And, of course, that brings us up to our second movie that we want to discuss today. A movie me and Will watched a while back. Uh, You might know it as a hilarious (laughs) made movie uh, during peak Islamophobia in the 2000s. Starring a famous actor... Uh, Have you ever heard of John Travolta? John Travolta. And he he is in this little movie called From Paris with Love. And it is, uh, quite frankly, a a punch to the face. It is a nonstop punch to the face. It's great. I love it. Uh, Super bad message. But it does expand on uh, what Will was talking about. How things just have to be done at all costs. And... uh, so, John Travolta's character is called Charlie Wax in this. He is a CIA agent uh, who is guns blazing, uh, nonstop, ass-kicking, American stereotype monster that yeah. steps into France. And he's there to take down terrorists. And he doesn't give a damn what he has to do to do it. Uh, playing his opposite uh, is a... 
Some asshole. I Some mean, guy we don't even remember the name to. I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, oh, so, shout out to Tom Berenger, who plays Sergeant Barnes yeah. in Platoon, by the way. Because I completely forgot his name, and we do not want to leave him without a hey, shout folks, out. We have notes. We have right, zero notes. Us. This is completely impromptu. We have notes. We just don't have all the notes. Look, I wrote down... You wrote down nothing, sir. No, I wrote down four movies. Oh, that's right. That we're going to talk about. Right. Anyways. So I did write that down. I <laughs> notes in that Playing opposite of John Travolta uh, is Jonathan Rise Myers uh, playing a character named James Reese, who is a, a striving CIA... Uh, Officer? Mm -hmm. Agent of some kind? Low ranks. He's basically spying on the fr in the French embassy. He does like, he changes license plates. He plants bugs. Honestly, probably more effective than whatever John Travolta's character actually does. But uh, that's not the point of the movie. Yeah. So, Jonathan Rhys Myers, Mr. James Reese, mm -hmm. uh, he's been there. He's kind of like your uh, common liberal soy boy, as you. He's your boy scout, and like, he's what I love about the like this sort of like, here's the the underlying theme between. Oh, maybe two. first you can sum up the movie real fast for new listeners. I mean, right, new watchers. He's in there. He, he goes to <laughs> France. He like. Um, goes there to what's the catalyzing event of the movie i think he's either there to like find um i literally don't remember <laughs> what was what, why is he there again? okay john travolta's character actually this movie starts off with jonathan myers rise myers uh character he's stationed in france he's having a great time he wants to get promoted but he gets assigned to become uh john travolta's character charlie wax's driver uh yep. And as soon as he comes in, he's boss of the wall, getting into uh, trouble with French customs because French customs won't let uh, John Travolta into the country with his monster energy drinks, yeah. quote unquote, because they use some off-brand energy drinks. Uh, but turns out, secretly, he has a gun hidden in his energy drinks. Yeah. And it was completely purposeless because even Meyer's character tells him, I could have gotten you a gun. You didn't have to sneak this gun in. Yet another example of pointlessness uh, but he goes on a basically a cocaine fueled yes but uh, death rampage. rampage and eventually it turns out that there was a method to his madness as in the end he takes down a terrorist cell aimed at killing several ambassadors at a UN event in France and that's the point that's the plot of the movie the yeah. twist is uh, Jonathan Rice Myers girlfriend slash fiance turns out to be a terrorist she's an undercover jihadist. she's an undercover jihadist so here like this is this is all sort of like coming to um full light right now because platoon and from paris with love are movies that are very similar in a fundamental way but also very different yeah, that same sort of exactly uh so uh, for me yeah platoon is kind of like an apology letter by Ken Burns, kind of saying, look, we fucked up. Oliver Stone. Oh, wow, fuck, my bad. Oliver Stone. You fucked up. I fucked up. This is my Ken apology Burns letter. This, <laughs> this is my apology and letter to Oliver Stone. Yeah. Oliver Stone creates an apology letter to the American people, maybe, about what happened in Vietnam. Because yeah. Platoon isn't for the Vietnamese people. He's not apologizing to the Vietnamese who died out in Vietnam. Even though the movie does, like, there's one scene in it that I actually, like, I, you know, my eyes moistened up a little bit because it's a depiction of, like, a war crime where they, like, ravage this village and it's very harrowing. And, like, up until that point, we were just kind of making fun of the movie's, like, stereotypes. Because, yeah. like, it is pretty, like, um, uh, heavy-handed with those and kind of the style that it's done in. But then it shows them just, like, brutalizing this village. And it's, it's awful. It's it's yeah. really bad. It's, uh, there's uh, execution killings. There's uh -huh. uh, rape. There's a complete destruction of an entire village and yeah. peoples who've lived in the same place for probably hundreds of years and mm. suddenly a foreign invader comes and just uproots them out of their yeah. land uh but for uh oliver stone yes this is kind of like an apology 
he's apologizing for what happened in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He's, I guess in some way he's trying to apologize to Vietnam for what happened. But in a way, he's trying to apologize to maybe those who served. Because at the end of the movie, there is a little mm-hmm. a quip. Or... Yeah, it's like a, a, a quote. I don't know what the word is. It's like an ep- epitaph, Epitaph, maybe? perhaps. It's like yeah. an epitaph is like a... Th- I don't know. If you know you what it is, uh, yeah, tweet, tweet Will. At tweet, tweet at Will. Tweet me. You can email me. You can message me. Um, Tell him how stupid he is and give him the word that we're looking for. Tell me why. Look, if you're looking for a co-host to replace Ramel, then um, (laughs) I'm your guy. And we will be holding auditions. Not like we as in me and whoever I decide the producer is going to be. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. So, but yeah, yeah, but that's sort of the contradiction of the movie is that it, it, it shows these atrocities. And yet the sort of like thrust of the movie is... Um, it, it sort of has this teary-eyed, like, look, like, there were... It makes this, like, big distinction between, like, there were the good guys of Vietnam, the idealists who really wanted to do good, and there were the bad guys. And then there were the lost souls in between in Willem Dafoe's character. And it has this very, like, apologetic uh, undertone, yeah. basically. And it, it, it really doesn't want to completely... Um, abandon the idea of like american exceptionalism or like yeah or fighting fighting communism you know you you gotta fight communism guys it doesn't matter if you gotta lose a couple thousand american lives and several hundred thousand perhaps millions of vietnamese lives Mm -hmm. but as long as you i mean i think oliver stone's um politics have been pretty consistently uh left throughout most of his career but it's like he can't you know, this was a movie that came out in the 80s. He himself was the first uh, uh, veteran of Vietnam to, to direct a movie, That's essentially, true. or to direct a movie about Vietnam. So, so is this movie more about Oliver Stone's experiences? Yeah, it's an autobiography, and it's very vividly th- told through his perspective, which, you know, like I said, it's interesting that by any, um, on paper, it should be a very sort of, not just anti-war movie, but like, anti-US, anti-military movie, and yet he can't really shake that last bit of like, um, I guess, uh, romanticism or like idealizing about sort of, like I said, whatever you want to call it, whether it's American exceptionalism, sort of the dignity of uh, the US military and the the brave men and women fighting in it. So that's Platoon. But, and, and, for Paris with Love is similar in the sense that it has that sort of like dichotomy where there's, yeah, there's the bad guy, sort of psychopath, dirty, hairy character who's like, get it done at any cost. And then the sort of Boy Scout um, kind of, in this case, he's literally relegated to a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to like humiliate him as much as you can. But like, there's something so unhinged about John, John Travolta's character. And it's so unhinged on its face. And the movie wants you to know how unhinged he is. It actually does what Platoon, I think, would have liked to have set out to do, but it does it more successfully because it's actually done in a really, like... Outlandish. Super... It's, it's very outlandish. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's blown out of proportion. I mean, obviously Platoon couldn't do it because that's not... I mean, maybe... It's too doe-eyed. It's too teary-eyed. It's too, like... Um... Uh, sentimental. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and two well, is a very sentimental movie. And from Paris with Love is the opposite. The opposite. I mean, literally, Charlie Wax, John Travolta's character, mm-hmm. is literally doing cocaine and banging hookers on his through a rampage of killing uh, Chinese drug dealers, mm-hmm. uh, French gang members, yeah. and uh, ultimately jihadist <laughs> terrorists who are trying to blow up. The UN, uh, UN mm-hmm. meeting. So it's it's very unapologetic about what has to be done. Even at the very end of the movie, the lesson is taught that the Bo- Mr. Boy Scout mm-hmm. James Reese, uh, Jonathan Rice Myers' uh, character is literally like, "I have a bigger gun now because that's the only way things get done is by yeah. having." It's literally very. He literally has to. He literally sneaks in his own gun into the country in a way that's very uh impractical and sort of elaborate because he feels like he has to have his own gun because he's such a psychopath but here's what i like here's my question to you is like do you think 
that the movie is sort of an endorsement of Charlie Wax and like what he represents in his view of the world and like how he goes about doing things? Or do you think like it's sort of like this kind of satire that went over people's heads at the time it came out that's sort of like satirizing the idea of like um, by any means necessary. Yeah, this of idea. the sort of like dirty hairy um, stereotype. No, that that's because like it's so it's so ridiculous. It that is. I I feel like that can't be dismissed. You're right. I in fact I think it did go over my head. I did not even consider the fact that this movie could possibly be some form of satire. Maybe not like. And I didn't either satire. because when you when it end when I first saw it and it ended and it like. I mean, you know, the, the sort of, like, turning point of the movie for me where it was no longer, like, this funny thing, but, like, wow, this movie has a pretty reprehensible view of the world was when... Um, so, like, Charlie Wax and and his uh, sidekick have sort of undergone this, like, training day type day where they've just, like, been going on a rampage throughout Paris and have, like, killed people and been trying to get, like, intelligence and, like, you know, it's, like, it, it's basically just, like, training day up until that point. And then um, they get back to the um, uh, home of what's his name again? Jonathan Rice Myers character Jonathan James Reese. James Reese. I won't forget Rice Meyer. I'm just gonna call him Rice Meyer. They get back to Rice Meyer's home, uh, and waiting for him is his uh, fiance and her friend, who um, is this uh, I think Pakistani. She is, yes, Pakistani woman. And then they're having dinner, and then she gets a call, and. John and Charlie Wax is like John Travolta's character is like triggered basically and he just pulls out a gun and shoots her right there and just kills her and then like everybody's freaking out and they're like why did he do that and he was like because she was getting intelligence or or, I didn't even understand it I still don't understand it I think that she was calling for backup I think or something but he he thought she was and then they explained to him like no like she wasn't and then he like, it's sort of, like, shrug. It's not really clear whether or not his instincts that she was this, like, jihadist ter- terrorist, like, receiving, like, information was accurate or not. He just kills her, and then it's not clear or not whether or not he was, like, he's ever vindicated by his decision to kill her, and then they just move on, which I thought was weird. And what's strange is it, it's, it becomes justified. Uh, Charlie Wax's instincts, in fact, do... Uh, Hit it right on the mark because yeah. uh, Jonathan Rice Myers' uh, character, uh, James Reese's fiance, uh, turns out to actually be a terrorist, a jihadist terrorist. It turns out she's been uh, spying on him because of his connections to the embassy mm-hmm. and his connections to the CIA, and it, it's 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 crazy because it kind of undermines like this insanity that was happening prior well, to this. Well, it vindicates his character. Like he's no longer this insane like. Um, you know, trigger happy psychopath. He's like a. He sort of becomes the. Uh, what is the name the of Kiefer Sutherland's character in tw- 24? Like the Jack. Um, I don't remember his name. But yeah, he, 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 he goes he, from Dirty Harry. Well, even Dirty Harry was vindicated. That's the thing. It's like. It, it, it sort of loses its credibility as a satire, and you sort of come to sympathize with this character and, like, you know, this pretty, like, Islamophobic. Um, message that and like sort of like ended up landing with me no landing with me in the sense that i sympathized with it but it it felt like that was what the thrust of the movie was was like what starts off as like kind of this like crazy but like um endearing character who's like yeah you know he's he's unorthodox whatever he's a psychopath but he gets things done and then he ends up being vindicated at the end of the movie which is why I'm sort of on the fence about whether or not it is a satire or sort of an endorsement of his actual worldview. You yeah. know? Well, let's take it to its worst possible conclusions and say that it is an endorsement of a heavy-handed CIA that would do anything in its power to stop uh, jihadist terrorism. And that includes perhaps shooting a woman in the head at dinner on a hunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, it's if if that is sort of the um, kind of conclude the thesis of the movie, then yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty reprehensible. But if that's not it, and it is in fact kind of this like, 
I see that this is the problem with like these kinds of movies is that half of them I come out of watching and I'm like, wow, this is like a very like sort of reactionary, um, you know, movie with like politics. That even if I enjoy the movie, like the politics that are being represented in it are reprehensible, which, you know, it's a good thing that my sort of politics are pretty divorced from my enjoyment of movie. And then the other half the time, I am like, no, that was actually kind of like a satire of all of the other movies. It's sort of a satire of that reactionary mindset, of that, like, hyper-militarism, hyper... Um, of all the Steven Seagal movies that actually exist that are like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's sort of the trouble with these movies, is even if, if they are satirical, I think the average American audience, it's sort of going to be lost on them. Because they are sort of, like, at the end of the day, they're done... In a style like this movie is thoroughly entrenched in the mindset of John Travolta's character, which is what makes it simultaneously a brilliant satire, potentially, but also the kind of satire that can easily go over the head of the average American viewer because they're going to be watching it and, and thinking like, "Wow, this guy is so cool. He's like insane, but he's like kind of like insane in the same way my like." insane uncle who's also really funny is insane or like my navy you know like neighbor or whatever like it's that's kind of the tricky thing about satire is like sometimes the more effective it is um the more potentially dangerous it is and i don't really subscribe to the idea that like oh we should be you know like kind of chastising movies for being you know dangerous but um it's just kind of an interesting um, case study, I think, of a movie that like does satire potentially either very well or very poorly or too well, if that makes sense. Yes. Oh, and shout out to Cassia Smuniak, who plays Caroline, uh, Jonathan Rhys Meyers' character. Uh, is is in, that his fiance? Yes, that's uh, she plays his fiance in From Paris with Love. Okay. Uh, on your point, though, uh, the satire that goes over people's head or movies that are, in fact, uh, criticizing something while yeah. the message can be taken backwards, that's uh, pretty common in a lot of cases. It like, is. Let's take the example of The Punisher for once. It's, yeah. It originally started out as a, as a criticism of unhinged vigilanteism. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we have actual police officers having Punisher skulls on their police yeah. cruisers. Or uh, perhaps the famously uh, the movie Starship Troopers, which is a satire yes. about how attractive fascism is. Uh, a lot of people love that movie, unironically, because of all the hyperviolence and the fascism. I was talking to uh, some friends who, who said Starship Troopers is basically a litmus test for me. In the sense that if you watch that movie and sort of root for it and root for this like ideology that's presented in it then you're like a fascist piece of shit but if you understand the sort of like underlying like irony of it then you know you're 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 not a fascist piece of shit basically <laughs> anyways so, let's let's shove starship troopers for a bit because this would be an excellent discussion for i haven't seen starship troopers you haven't then no, ladies, I ladies and gentlemen we will be coming back uh, next next, next week with uh, with an episode about Starship Troopers because Will has never seen it. Anyways, <laughs> back to the comparisons between From Paris with Love and uh, Amplitude. Uh, uh, how about you draw that out, Will? Give us the give us the 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 final your final thoughts on the two movies. Yeah, I mean, it, well, in terms, I mean, there's sort of two criteria that I guess I could use. Which movie has? Um, Really, three criteria you can use for any movie. How much, A, how much did you enjoy it or hate it, which is, like, just probably the most important thing. And, and the thing that I feel like the pe people have the hardest time being honest with themselves about. B, regardless of what your enjoyment of it is, like, how much do you appreciate its um, craft from sort of a technical level. Yes. And then see what is the politics of this movie, if it has any. Um, what does it endorse? And, you know, like, 
To be aware. Are, how consistent are they with your own personal politics, which, as I said... They do not have to match in order for you to enjoy them. The one, the movie that's come out, the one movie that's come out in the 21st century that I feel like really speaks to me in terms of the politics that it represents is Sorry to Bother You. I can't think of any other... So I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah. even if a movie can represent something that is diametrically opposed to what I believe in, but it does it in a way that's very vivid um, and sort of like... You know, very uh, 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 kind of like like has has a, a strong, unique artistic vision. I can still come out of it, out of it uh, respecting it and enjoying it. Now, Platoon is a movie that I think like it's it it's sort of like it has this sort of doe-eyed, um, kind of teary-eyed, like very um, I don't want to say like sentimental. But um, I mean, what, what word would you use to describe it in terms of like how it really frames the Vietnam War through the perspective of Charlie Sheen's character? Well, like I've said, I believe it's uh, Oliver Stone's kind of apology letter. It's apologistic for what happened, but it also the uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, yeah. who's the apology letter to? I feel like in some way, maybe it's to himself. Like he's trying to come to grips with uh, if you you are you said he was a Vietnam War veteran. Yeah. So is he trying to maybe like apologize? To I think he's working through shit, which is what makes it an interesting movie because it's it it doesn't really have a viewpoint that I think is like consistent through and through. But I think that it has like this is sort of his exercise in trying to work through what he experienced and what he witnessed in the Vietnam War and kind of like the public's reaction to it. Which is what ultimately makes it, like, A, an important movie, and B, like, you know, an interesting movie and something that's worth watching because, like, it, you know, it, it also has some really, like, um, memorable set pieces. Like, the last big um, battle oh, in the... Yeah. Um, that was really good. In the jungle at night where, like, everything's just, like, lit up and, like, they're just getting completely washed by the Viet Cong and, like, you know, that's a very, like... It's it's very well directed and it has moments that are very uh, harrowing, um, and like you know, oh, yeah. like have are, are just like very well directed. So it's very well directed. The, the cinematography of Platoon cannot be beat. Uh, beat. Be. It's yeah. it's really good. The helicopter scenes are incredible, and they it's it's like one of those uh, what would you call it a keystone or uh, yeah it's one of those movies really solidifies the Vietnam War genre like every shot in it is parodied or mm -hmm. uh, referenced That's all the true. time in Vietnam Vietnam War movies it's yeah. one of those cornerstone movies cornerstone. That's the word I was looking at. Not Keystone. Cornerstone. Yes. No, it is. It's a cornerstone. Quintessential Vietnam yeah. War movie. And uh, um, but I think it's it, a question of how well it's aged. I think is like the most sort of important question. I think it's it's aged decently well because That's a lot of the things are still prominent. I've uh, I don't want to get into it, but I've watched the series uh, Generation Kill. Uh, oh, that's about Iraq. Right? Yeah, about Iraq, and yeah. I think it has a similar. Kind of tone, kind of tone to yeah. platoon. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much now, but uh, I think the the tones that platoon created are, are allowing uh, shows and other movies about our modern conflicts to uh, exist. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it, maybe it is an apology letter, but maybe it's not. Maybe it is, in fact, uh, like Will says, a form of Oliver Stone to come to grips. Or to, to, what did you say? To He's working work through, through yes. this he's, thing that he experienced that he experienced. had trouble making sense of, and I think the American public making sense of. And let's, the let's first not forget all the, the veterans who came back also are still struggling. And veterans all from all wars are still struggling trying to make sense of what was happening. And the Vietnam War and our modern wars are similar to each other. And the fact that there is no sense. I mean, yeah. as of recently, we've signed a peace treaty with the Taliban. And there is now peace in Afghanistan. You know... And there were tens of thousands of people who died fighting the Taliban. Did we lose tens of thousands of troops in Afghanistan? Yeah. I didn't know it was that It's been long. 20 years. I just remember it being like... I, here's, here's what I'm going to say about this sort of 
issue and how I think like kind of how we view these movies and how we talk about them can help us work through these issues because like obviously we're sort of big leftists I think you're a little bit farther to the left than I am but like we're we're like anti-war anti-US empire we understand that like these wars that we've like been in and have like been um, uh, sold to like or had sold to us like throughout our entire lives are for the most part bullshit and our sort of uh, military apparatus and the purpose that it serves is bullshit. Now what I will say about that is that I get into arguments all the time uh, with my mom about this because she is a little bit more sort of liberal slash conservative and her sort of retort uh, on a lot of these issues is like, well, you know, you can be as critical as you want of the military and, and the, you know, brave men and women fighting in it. But at the end of the day, you don't have to deal with what these people have to deal with. You don't uh, have to undergo the trauma that they undergo, you know, etc. And it's like, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Like you can sort of recognize the, I think Americans are really bad at recognizing like, you know, the trauma that we inflict on other people. Like there's this, I want to give a plug for one movie, uh, one other movie that like we should watch at some point and I encourage anybody listening to this, um, you know, the one person to watch. Uh, <laughs> the one, the two people listening to the this. The two people listening to this, that, that's generous. And uh, Sal, who's like there in the corner. Yeah, one of them is Sal, who's just like listening in the corner of the room. There's this brilliant movie called The Ninth Configuration. Amazing. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's directed, written and directed by William Peter Blatty, um, who wrote the novel for The Exorcist. So The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist is based on the novel. And he wrote and directed two movies in his lifetime, one of which is The Exorcist 3, which is better than The Exorcist 1, in my opinion. It's one of the best movies of all time. And then this other movie called The Ninth Configuration, which is its own sort of Vietnamese war movie. Um, but it's not really a war movie. It's a sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of like um, psych war drama that just happens to be about Vietnam War vets. And there's this sort of like running conflict or like storyline with them, with the people, the, the, you know, Vietnamese war vets depicted in the movie and sort of the trauma that they've undergone. And it's actually very um, beautiful and life affirming and like really does a, a, a beautiful job of like depicting their trauma and how they, they like have worked through it. But like Platoon, it also depicts a, you know, pretty um, traumatizing. It's not really clear whether or not it's a war crime. The circumstances direct uh, surrounding the event depicted in the movie are kind of mysterious, but it just kind of glosses over um, the trauma that was inflicted on Vietnam. And it's just like, it's sort of a running thread that you get in all of these movies, like up until like war movies today that I think is just really like demonstrates why Americans are so bad at talking about war at making movies about war at talking about our military because we can't really get ourselves past that first step of like look at the trauma that this has done to u.s um veterans and like our brave men and women who have fought for you know you may not agree with why they're fighting but they fought and they lost limbs they lost lives some of them have come back and they've lost their minds, you know, and it's devastating. Yeah. But we, we can't really seem to get past that and kind of like get to a point where it's like, well, maybe like, I mean, you can, maybe we shouldn't support them at all. Maybe it could have all been prevented. Yeah. But, um, they, you know, they shouldn't yeah. have been there in the first place. Sorry. But, um... Now, to round that out, back to... Uh, from Paris with Fuck love. Fuck them, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God. Well, no. We do not... Uh, anyways, it's, whatever. You I, know I what? Just, it was, I it wish it's something we were better about talking about. Yeah. And There's, I think there is an issue there. and From Paris with Love are both... Uh, Two sides of the same coin. ...of why we're not good about yeah. talking about these they are, I think Eric is exactly right. Platoon is a movie for Oliver Stone to help... 
people Himself. process what happened in Vietnam. Yes. And it does uh, say that there were a lot of things that happened. Now, From Paris with Love, it's a movie about disregarding any forms of morality in order to achieve the objective. From Paris with Love is a movie that it's one of two things. It's either a really, really good satire that flew over everybody's heads, or it's a movie that spent the first two-thirds of its runtime being a really good unintentional satire, and the last third of its runtime being a reprehensible, uh, reactionary, yeah, Islamophobic um, propaganda, you know, like, just catastrophe of a movie it's one of those two things that i haven't really worked through which one it is yet but it's a very interesting movie in and, that regard and they're very uh similar to each other strangely enough i think most of our listeners would not consider platoon the legendary and phenomenal movie written by oliver Stroom, to be in any way related to the um, easily forgotten from paris with love starring john travolta and directed by somebody whose name i do not even know uh, but yeah. uh, I think that's correct. Anyways, for um, me, they're both three baggers. I gave both of them a three star <laughs> out of five on Letterboxd. Uh, make it that way you will. I still haven't really decided what no. I want, how I want to design my rating system. <laughs> but, uh, Anyways, well, final final verdicts on the movie uh, between the two of these. If you found both movies. In a bargain bin yeah. at Best Buy, yeah. which movie would you take home with you in order to show to show a friend? God, um, thus uh, coming back around to the very core idea of this podcast. Probably from with love because I'd be curious <laughs> to see. It's a litmus test, right? To see if they, they. It's a litmus test, but I mean, Starship Troopers actually, from what I understand, I haven't seen it, knows what it's doing. And is a satire through and through, and like Paul Verhoeven or whatever his name is, yeah. like has talked about how it's a satire. I don't know uh, what the and you know you should see. This is sort of a failure of uh, movies like this. Is like you should be able to like know what the movie is just from reading its text. You shouldn't have to like. Yeah. Anyways, it's, anyway. it's a fun movie. If you haven't watched From Paris with Love, because a lot of people From Paris have with Love not. is also more fun. It is a fun movie. It is balls to the wall action. There's cocaine. There's hookers. There's John Travolta with a bat and a gun. There's bazookas. There's exploding cars. Fucking watch that movie. Anyways, guys, we're yeah. going to have to call That's this it. podcast episode to an end it has been me your boy shady mellow joker aka the mellow man yeah. aka romel Tamez, the revolutionary in a world of dying dreams and here is my co-host will messenger aka at will underscore messenger aka ceo at dealmakers llc <laughs> anyways guys this has been the di